0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. We have this massive disconnect between central banks, the way they see the economy, and the way the markets view central banks.
1: But when we look at that four-month average, we've seen this downward trend in jobless claims for more than a year now.
2: The U.S. Fed is the global central bank of the world, and when we move, maybe that 25 basis points feels like 100 basis points, 1%, on the global scale.
3: Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio.
2: Good morning. It's 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 1 p.m. in Brussels. I'm Michael McKee. We are watching Brussels for a Brexit deal, concessions by the EU to entice the British to stay within the common market. We shall see how those negotiations go today. The city is nervous. The FTSE is down 16 points right now, three-tenths of a percent. But the rest of the world is risk-on this morning. The technical analysts may tell us this is a bounce, but for the moment, we're seeing a decorrelation among many asset classes. In Europe right now, the stock 600 up by three points, nine-tenths of a percent. The DAX, 145 points higher. That's 1.6%. Here in the United States, futures are pointing to a higher open, which would be the fourth straight day of stock gains if that can be sustained. S&P futures up by eight points now, four-tenths. It's a half percent gain for Dow futures, eight-tenths. NASDAQ E-minis are up 24 points, six-tenths of eight percent. Oil inventories dropped a bit yesterday, the government tells us, so oil prices are higher West Texas 3144 is up 2.5 percent. Brent crude 3525 up 2.2 percent this morning. And the Fed in the minutes yesterday suggest uh, they might wait longer. They're worried about what's been going on. Jim Bullard joining the chorus of Fed officials saying they're probably going to wait in March. Yet yields are higher this morning. 10-year yield 1.82 percent. The uh, five-year 1.27 and 74 basis points. For your two-year note. Walmart earnings just out. Fourth quarter earnings per share, $1.49. Uh, forecast uh, consensus was $1.46. Uh, sales growth for the year, they say, will be about flat. They had seen it up 3 to 4%, which is a markdown for That's them. Something. But, of course, Walmart doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on in the economy these days. We'll talk about that at yeah. 7.30 with Bloomberg, Shannon, uh, Petty piece. Um You know you're smart, Tom, when you have two titles. Sitting next to you now, Professor Dr. Michael Porter of Harvard, as he is referred to on the Bloomberg. And he's also noted as chief executive officer of all worlds. So he has three titles, which means he's really smart. Uh, He is one of the best at the world in linking economic theory and the real world. Um, So let us ask you about what is going on in the real world and in theory these days. Uh, I want to start with something you and I were just talking about Uh, In the break here, uh, one big reason we see low growth and slow wage growth, a sustained drop in productivity. Uh, There's a big debate in economics today about why some say it's not coming back, at least not the levels that we have seen. Uh, you study you spend a lot of time in, and we should ask you about all world, but you spend a lot of time studying uh, up and coming companies. Uh, do you think there's anybody out there that can bring us back to the productivity rates that we enjoyed, say, in the, in the 1990s into the early 2000s?
4: well I, I think the the best uh thing that i think is most likely to lead to that is the changing nature of products uh, you know we the the some of the last productivity growth spurts were driven by it and the Im- embodying of information technology in companies that allow them to automate things that they did and do those things much better uh, you know in terms of uh, uh computer aided design and supply chain management and all those systems But the previous generations of IT were really about process. It was really about how the company ran its business internally. Now IT is starting to penetrate into companies, and some people call this the Internet of Things. We talk about something, we call it something different. We call it smart connected products. So a car now is smart. It's full of software. It's full of sensors. It's generating information. It's connected to the Internet. Every single machine in a factory now is smart. It's connected. And the, this changing nature of products is now giving us a real new uptick potentially in the productivity. of just about everything so I think this would be the place where that 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 regeneration of productivity growth would, uh, I think, uh, uh, originate from, uh, this is still early innings, this is still, uh, uh, you know, not nearly uh, uh, penetrated throughout the economy. So I, th- I think we might see some very interesting innovation and in productivity there. But you're absolutely right. The economic growth in the United States is down decade after decade over the last 30 or 40 years. Growth no. is just slowing. Productivity growth is slowing. We, we need uh, this next, uh, hopefully, driver no. of, of change.
5: I want to continue this discussion because we get a ton of mail on this with Michael Porter of HBS. Uh, Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, folks. Why don't you buy Invesco? Don't settle for average in your portfolio. To Invesco, the right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Michael Porter with it's An annual visit. Usually, Mike, we do this in Davos, stuck in a snowbank. This is much nicer. Having Professor Porter with us in New York. What I hear from people is two basic themes. If the new iPhone has a better camera, so what? And they don't see the countable jobs formed by Michael Porter's technological progress that we did in other times and places. Do we need a manufacturing po- uh, a policy in this nation? a Switzerland, you pick the nation. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, do we need a, a goods-producing policy within the nation?
4: Well, we, we certainly need more goods-producing in, in this country. And, and, again, the Apple example is so emblematic because Apple, with all its genius, innovation, and transformation, uh, didn't really employ any American workers to make any of this stuff. Um, And uh, I think that that shows us the divide in the U.S. economy. We're really good at innovating things. We're really good at creating new things. We're really good okay. at starting yeah. new companies. But our economy now is so high cost and our skill levels are sufficiently lagging and our corporate taxes are sufficiently high that the actual making of all the stuff that we create and innovate doesn't happen here we anymore. We brought
5: European automakers over here and there was a whole transformation there that you covered among other Steve Ratner with his work in Detroit. Uh, when Detroit blew up, but do we need, do you perceive day-to-day at HBS that we need a national policy of manufacturing?
4: I think we need a national policy of driving competitiveness, Tom. Uh, right now, our strategy in America for improving our economy is monetary policy. It's stimulus. It's is interest rates up or down? Do we pump? Do we pump down? You know, we make more liquidity in the economy. Money now is free. Uh, you know, capital is uh, uh, has has low cost. And yet, even though capital has such low cost now, we're investing less and less in the business sector. In why is that? Uh, I, I think because uh, the uh, perception of um, the, uh, the, the, the kind of immediate short-term pressure to, to, to deliver good earnings growth in an economy that's fundamentally not growing is leading companies to do everything they can to, okay. uh, to kind of engineer. So,
5: Mike, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think this is just a profound question. How do you teach financial engineering in your courses? The pressure to give cash back, the pressure to raise dividends.
4: Yeah, well I uh, in my courses I don't teach financial engineering. <laughs> I teach strategy, fundamentals, uh you know, drive the fundamental improvement of your products and processes, but so much of what's going on right now is financial engineering. It's 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 issuing really really low-cost debt. It's uh buying back shares. It's um it's it, it's it's all about uh, sort of struggling with a, a set of variables to raise EPS growth and and meet your expectations, and, and companies now are absolutely not focusing on. Uh, really developing unique uh, Mm -hmm. strategies and innovation in terms of their fundamental business. Uh, So we're at a a place now where I think the the, the pressures that most companies feel are not uh, translating into the kind of investment that uh, I think we need to drive economic growth in America or anywhere else, frankly.
2: The kind of things we make, too, and the kind of things anybody makes these days. All the companies that you advise are any of them do any of them not care how many people they hire as long as they're profitable or is the goal everywhere to push down on costs which means
4: engineer workers and labor costs out i think that is the over that's been the overwhelming dominant force for the last you know 5 to 7 years uh uh is is engineer cost out uh you know downsize employment and 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 this is very important for america and for employment in america that's relatively high cost, where you can do that employment elsewhere, given lower cost environments, equally good skills, lower tax rates. Uh, that, that sort of middle class employment is moved out. You know upper income, high skill, you know the people that Apple hires, employment is great for those kind of folks. but for, for the average worker, uh, the job growth is relatively low, and the wage growth is very, very low. Yes. So, we, so we have this divide and the divide in the economy has creating is creating political uh uh you know uh, a hurricane uh, that is pitting you know, it, groups in America against each other. We're not coming together to solve the fundamental no. problems of skill, education, uh, no. improving our tax code. We're, we're, we're fighting each other.
5: Let's come back. Michael Porter with us with Harvard Business School, an annual visit. We will continue uh, this discussion. Futures up seven. Dow futures up 70. The 10-year yield, 1.81%, flat in with a little bit of tendency there in a quiet market.
6: This
2: hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Here's Michael Barr with the latest news headlines.
6: Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Turkey's Prime Minister is blaming two Kurdish groups for yesterday's car bombing in Ankara that killed 28 people. He says the attack was carried out by the armed wing of the Democratic Union Party, or the PYD. However, the head of the PYD says the group was not involved in the bombing. Turkey has conducted airstrikes against rebels. President Obama will release details of plans to travel to Cuba next month. It would be the first time a sitting U.S. president visited Havana in almost nine decades. A major hospital in Los Angeles says it has paid ransom to hackers who were holding its computer network hostage. The CEO of Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center says it was the most efficient way to end the problem after the hospital's computers were infected with ransomware. The hospital says it paid the hackers 40 bitcoins worth almost $17,000. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom?
5: Uh, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, oil with a lift this morning. Up uh, 91 cents right now, 31.58 a barrel. Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by your Tri-State BMW centers. Visit them online at tristatebmw.com. At BMW, they only make one thing, the ultimate driving machine.
3: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
7: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Eisner Amper. Does your accountant do more than crunch numbers? Eisner Amper understands the more, than their, the more their clients know, the better the outcome. That's why they've created a 2016 personal tax guide. Free download at EisnerAmper.com slash strategies. Walmart is down 4.4% this morning. The world's largest retailer lowering its annual sales forecast after the strong dollar pulled down the value of overseas revenue. Futures are higher. S&P e-mini futures up 7 points. Dow e-mini futures up 70. NASDAQ e-mini futures up 24. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7%. Ten-year treasury up 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.81%. NYMEX crude oil up 3% or 92 cents to $31.58 a barrel. COMEX gold on half percent or $5 eighty cents to an ounce, and the euro $1, a dollar ten ninety seven that's a Bloomberg business flash Tom and Mike
5: Karen thanks so much Michael McKee and Tom Keene with us Michael Porter of Harvard uh, Business School great response to our comments. I love what Bernie says out on Twitter <coughs> Professor Porter. And the divide is creating a welfare state. You just told us off in the commercial, um, the the, the iPhone is like the controller of life. I love that idea. It goes back to how we measure productivity. Dale Jorgensen, I'm sure you have lunch with him a couple times a year. What What does Michael Porter, what does Professor Jorgensen, the owner of productivity, are we even approximating accountability of all this technology?
4: I, I think it's very hard to measure how it's affecting uh, the, these numbers, but uh, I, I think uh, we're. The, uh, we were just talking about how, you know, all this new communications technology means we're spending a lot of time communicating and, and, and interacting. But does that really make us more productive?
5: That's the key question. Uh, and, we hear and, this from our audience and, and all the time.
4: I, and I don't. I don't think it necessarily does. And uh, I think the. Um, um, The 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 ability to kind of restart true productivity growth again is uh, is is really a fundamental challenge facing the U.S. Particularly since so many citizens are uh, you know not equipped with, with the skills and the capabilities. Uh, to do uh, sort of modern uh, productive work, uh, the factory job is very different today uh, than it was before. The the the, the, the nature of uh, even even many service jobs is is requiring more than than it ever has. And I think uh, uh, you know how the uh, the middle uh, is going to access uh, those opportunities mm-hmm. is the great challenge of our age. Uh, I think the people with skill and the people with education are doing just fine. All right, um, uh, Professor,
2: Dr. CEO, let's add President of the United States to your title. Imagine you you're, you could hold your nose long enough to run with this uh, group of characters out there. What would you do to turn this around in a world where, as Larry Summers points out in his marvelous Foreign Affairs article, uh, Airbnb's impact on hotel construction, Uber's impact on car sales. I mean, in that kind of world, how do you incent companies to produce
4: more? Well, um, that's a it's a great question. Um, I think uh, we, we need to, uh, I, I think, actually, it, it sounds like a broken record. We need to modify the corporate tax system. Right now, we have a... We have the highest corporate tax system in the world, and we've got to reduce – we've got to raise the return on fundamental investments in, uh, you know, in in, in plants and equipments and hiring people and uh, investing in in R&D to find those next better ways of doing things. And, uh, you know, and instead of of trying to create uh, an environment that stimulates innovation in the real economy – Um, Instead, we're, you know, we're having silly fights over, uh, you know, tax inversions where companies are leaving America and we want to have an exit tax. So I I don't know. Uh, I, I have this tremendous disconnect right now between what we're talking about in the presidential election and in the policy arena. And the reality of okay. the real economy. Let's talk
5: about somebody that you know arguably could be CEO of the year last year. There's many candidates for that, but Jeff Immelt mm-hmm. is transforming Generous Electric. I mean, it was a light bulb company, Schenectady. Mm-hmm. Jack Welch did his thing, and now Jeff Immelt's four or five years into a, a, a new example of what corporations do. Comment on his business plan of industrializing innovation.
4: I think uh, Jeff, who I wanted you is a Harvard Business School grad and my former student. I'm very proud of what Jeff has done. Jeff is remaking General Electric. General Electric was the quintessential conglomerate. Right. Uh, Jack Welch's GE, a fine company, was in in everything, and uh, it was. Uh, and what Jeff has done is really trying to pare back that company to make it truly an industrial company that makes things. Um, uh and and it and it's well along the way and jeff has also driven the adoption of this uh this internet of things phenomena that that is that that there's no company in america that will benefit more by the the technological possibilities that are created by embedding sensors and, uh, and, and software and, and, uh, uh, this, this new information technology into the products. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, I think GE is a remarkable success story. We're very also okay. happy they've moved to Boston now. They're moving their headquarters to Boston. I know you'd bring that up. They want to be in the innovation center in these, <clears throat> this so, new product technology. Well,
5: good morning, Bloomberg 1200 Boston. Tell me what Mayor Menino did. To have the courage with others to jumpstart that South Harbor section that GE will go into.
4: Well, I think that took I, a lot of courage. I, I think Boston has been a, a, a city that's actually had a strategy for for a long time to try to you know revitalize uh, kind of under underutilized parts of the city. We have all this gorgeous waterfront, and it was really not uh, taken, taken advantage of. Uh, uh, Boston is, has worked very, very hard to improve its neighborhoods. Uh, uh, I, I work a lot on inner cities in America. Boston has had a very conscious uh, strategy for revitalizing the urban core, uh, tried very, very hard okay. to improve its schools. i got
5: 10 seconds left, maybe 12 seconds. What are you going to do about the Red Sox this year?
4: I think the Red Sox are showing signs uh, that they've uh, they've, – I think the new leadership uh, on the baseball side has brought in some really great talent. I think the culture is changing, uh, and I think we're going to have a good year.
5: I'm just trying to think of the four, my forces. That's
2: why she is
5: moving. The barrier to entry known as middle relief, Michael Porter. GE, thank GE you so is much. Harvard. So that everybody
2: can get season tickets. Yeah,
5: exactly. Harvard Business School, uh, Michael Porter, always uh, interesting and certainly it links right into the political debate of this 2016. Futures debate. Down futures up 75. We continue on economics, finance, investment, indeed international relations. Bloomberg surveillance.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. It continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle of Killington Resort.
3: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991; to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good
2: morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keen. We're two hours away from the start of trading so far. Futures hanging in there. looks like an Up day, at least to open the markets. it would be the fourth day in a row. We shall see. Walmart shares not going to open higher. Uh, Walmart cutting its annual sales forecast to relatively flat from a previous view of up 3% to 4%. uh, Earnings per share of $4 to $4.30. The estimate is 4.13, rather wide there. Uh, Their first quarter comp sales disappointed uh, and revenue was short. Walmart shares now down 4.4% on the day. Boeing, we can mention them, won't face labor strife later this year. Engineers and technical workers approving a six-year contract extension. Boeing shares flat in early trading. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world
6: and national headlines. Mike, thank you very much. Vice President Joe Biden says President Barack Obama is looking to nominate a Supreme Court candidate who's been supported by Republicans in the past. Republicans have threatened to block any action on the president's nominee to replace late Justice Antonin Scalia. Biden tells Minnesota Public Radio today that there are plenty of judges who seemingly fit the criteria. President Obama will announce his plans later today for his historic trip to Cuba next month. It will be the first time a sitting president has visited Havana since Calvin Coolidge in 1928. Not everyone is on board with the president's trip. Florida Congresswoman Eilena Ross-Laytonet.
1: How does that benefit the United States at all? Does it make us any safer to have a Cuban embassy in Washington? No, it makes us less safe.
6: The U.S. and Cuba recently signed an agreement to allow commercial flights between the two countries. Toyota is recalling about 2.9 million sport utility vehicles because of seat belts that might fail in a crash. More than 1.1 million of those SUVs are in the U.S. The recall covers RAV4 SUVs from 2005 through the 2014 model years. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Mike Labar. Mike?
2: Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashower. John?
8: All right, Mike, Chicago Blackhawks will be at the White House today, honored for winning the Stanley Cup, third time in six years. They're atop the Western Conference again this season, showed why at the Garden last night. They led the Rangers 2-0. They fell behind 3-2. A rookie led the Blackhawks back.
3: Stahlberg, first one in. Keith,
8: up the boards and out.
3: Rangers were in the middle of change. Here comes Panarin. He scores! A hat trick for Artemi, Panarin, Blackhawks, Take a 5-3 lead.
8: And that was the final NBC to call despite getting the captain Ryan McDonough back from his head injury. The first regulation time home loss for the Rangers since December 20th. College basketball and the sports best rivalry. Duke only led in the second half twice, never by more than a point. But the Blue Devils won at North Carolina, 74-73. St. John's, 16-game losing streak finally over, 80-65 over DePaul. A win for Seton Hall that could help with NCAA hopes, 72-64 over Georgetown. Fordham beat UMass, St. Peter's top Manhattan. And Stony Brook's 18-game winning streak, longest in the nation, came to an end at Albany, 82 82- to 70. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stanley.
2: Thank you, John. As we mentioned, uh, S&P shares up by six points now, three-tenths of a percent as we get ready to see if we can do four days in a row. Uh, I don't know if it qualifies as a turnaround or not. Technical analysts tell you it's a bounce. We shall see. Ten-year note yield, though, higher than it was yesterday, 1.81%. This is Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. And welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. As we mentioned, a a risk-on day for everyone except the British. The FTSE down by 21 points right now. They're kind of waiting to see what happens with this whole Brexit talk. The negotiations underway in Brussels. We'll see if Prime Minister Cameron comes up with a deal that he can sell to the British people. The rest of the world... Looking uh, reasonably happy, U.S. futures up across the board by uh, around three-tenths of a percent. The stock 600 in Europe is up by three points right now. That is eight-tenths of a percent. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here is Michael, good morning. 734 on Wall Street, and here's what's
0: making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Tim Cook has picked a fight with the U.S. government, and Silicon Valley is joining his side from Google to Facebook. The industry's biggest names have rallied around Apple's chief executive officer after he vowed to resist a court order demanding it help unlock the iPhone of a shooter in the California terrorist attacks. Technologically speaking, Apple has the capability it needs to comply with the government's request, but giving the government a backdoor to its customers' private communication, it contends, would be a dangerous precedent, which could then lead to a relatively simple technical workaround to obtain call records, text messages, text messages, and other data. The coalition representing companies, including Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Twitter, issued a statement reiterating that while it's extremely important to deter crime and terrorism. No company should be required to build back doors to their own technology. Separately, Google's chief executive, Sundar Pichai, explained that his company provides law enforcement access to data based on valid legal orders, but added that's wholly different than requiring companies to enable hacking of customer devices and data. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT
2: STEM report. Michael. Thank you, Robert. Walmart, as we mentioned, uh, cutting their forecast for the year to relatively flat. Previous view was up 3 to 4%. They are, as so many companies are these days, blaming the dollar. They also cite recent store closings for the forecast and for the fact that comp sales are not going to be uh, significantly improving. They were uh, also uh, short on estimates. Shannon Pettypiece covers Walmart for Bloomberg News. Uh, Shannon, Walmart we know... Is in a, uh, quote-unquote, turnaround process. So do we look at their results in the most recent quarter as a failure of management, and the stock's getting killed now, down 4.5% mm. in early trading, or as just a part of a bumpy step towards uh, the eventual achievement of their goals?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I guess, you know, it takes time to turn around the Titanic. Um, You know, they're a humongous company. They have almost uh, $500 billion in revenue each year. Um, So, you know, it it, it wasn't going to be painless. But uh, expectations have been sort of really, um, you know, low for among investors and analysts for Walmart. Um, You know, for example, uh, analysts were expecting um, same-store sales to increase about 1%. Uh, Walmart only increased them about uh, half a percent, to 0.6% you know and for you know the next year they had given this guidance in october saying that sales would grow about 3% uh you know investors weren't happy with that but they had sort of grown to live with it and then they said uh, oh well wait you know that really didn't take into account how strong the dollar has been you know when you factor in currency uh it's going to be flat this year and i think that's just sort of um you know it's not pleasing to investors, or they're at least saying, well, why do I stick around with a company that's not going to have any growth next year? There's plenty of companies that are still growing, you know, despite everything that's going on in the global economy.
2: Are these guys just getting killed by Amazon? I mean, Walmart was the world's biggest store, uh, destroying everybody through the 90s or early 2000s, and now they almost seem irrelevant in this age of Amazon.
1: Well and And I think, yeah amazon's kind of the elephant in the room, and when you look at e commerce sales, they were up eight percent in the quarter, um, and that might sound good, but in context they've been slowing they were uh, uh, they were ten percent last quarter they were um you know fifteen percent uh a quarter before a year ago they were around you know twenty percent so part of that 's the law of large numbers, but not a lot of that I mean when you look at amazon, I mean they are double digit growth just you know, chugging away no matter how big they get, um, you know, their growth is going faster and faster. So, um, I think, yeah, the online side, despite all the investment the company's been putting into that, it's at least as far as the perception is, what investors want, it's not growing as fast as, as they want it to.
2: So what does Amazon say to investors on their call today? How do they keep them on board?
1: Oh, how does Walmart keep? Yeah, how does Walmart keep them on board? Um, you know, they are, you know, blaming currency. They're blaming these store closures, even though the store closures were a tiny rounding error for the company. Um, you know, they're blaming food deflation and milk and dairy. But again, you know, this is a huge company. You know, how much milk and dairy do they sell? Um, and uh, you know, the, I think the, the real message though is we've got a strategy in place. We're trying to fix up our U.S. stores. We're spending in our online operations. We're trying to get more competitive there. We have the strategy. We're sticking to it. We see some signs that it's improving. We see the quality of our stores improving. We see slight improvements in traffic. Hey, at least our same-store sales weren't down, which was the case a couple of years ago. Um, you know, stick with our strategy. But I, I do always kind of note to Wal- on Walmart, um, you know, they're owned and controlled by the Walton family. And so there's at the very end of the day, there's only one shareholder that really matters, and that's the Walton family. And, um, you know, obviously they have to take into account the way Wall Street feels. and and respond to all of their shareholders, but that's who controls management. That's who controls the strategy, and as long as they're sticking by it, the family is, then you're probably not going to see any big drastic changes.
2: Shannon Pettypiece, thank you very much. Well, uh, the Walton family has a stock price of 63.30 right now. That is down uh, four and a quarter percent from, it, uh, from where it closed yesterday at uh, 66.11, after re- reporting those disappointing shares. It may be weighing a bit on Walmart. Uh, I mean, on the markets, S&P now only up four points, two tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by the all-new BMW of Springfield. Find amazing pricing on every certified pre-owned BMW. Visit com. Financing and leasing available by BMW Financial Services.
3: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
7: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. And this morning, Walmart stores down 4.4% shares of them, the world's largest retailer lowering its annual sales forecast after the strong dollar pulled down the value of overseas revenue. Futures, meanwhile, are moving higher, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P e-mini futures up four points, Dow e-mini futures up 44, and NASDAQ e-mini futures up 17. DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. 10-year treasury up 132nd, the yield 1.81%, yield on the two-year NYMEX crude oil up 2.4% or $0.73 to $3139 a barrel. COMEX Gold is down half percent or $6.30 to $12.05. Ten an ounce. The euro, $1, 10.86. the yen, 113.83. Dish Network posted profit that missed analyst estimates as more TV customers canceled service. And NVIDIA is up 8% this morning. The biggest maker of graphics chips used in high-end gaming computers predicted sales that may exceed analyst estimates, demonstrating again how its enthusiast customers are protecting it from the worst of the PC slump. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
2: Karen, thank you very much. Well, it is a truism in investing that the smart guys buy companies before the rest of the world knows why you would want to do so. The smarter guys identify those companies for the smart guys. One of the smarter guys is Kwali. He's uh, head of equity derivatives, flow equity derivatives, uh, they officially call it, for Credit Suisse, and he's here with us now. Um You look, uh, let me ask, ask it this way. We have a sort of risk-on feel to the markets the last three or four days. What are people doing in the options market, and does that tell us whether this is sustainable or not?
9: Sure, thanks. Um, one of the things that we're more concerned with is that, like you said, even though there is a more of a risk-on tone, risk tone to the market, um, the bigger concern is, is this just a short squeeze, or is this more of a function
2: of you know, basically the world is okay again. <laughs> Tommy, you're looking confused.
5: No, I'm 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 going back and forth with Rich.
2: Okay, the Rich Truman is our uh, is our crack producer here, mm-hmm. trying to float Tom's balloon here. Um, so, it, it risk on for the moment, but uh, are people willing to bet on that?
9: And so that's the again, like you know, that's the million or billion dollar question, so to speak, is You know, is this over? Is this period of fear over? Um, And one of the things that stands out to us is look, we're in a period now where we've just gotten through earnings, and you don't have really that much volume going through at the moment. Um, That's something that should throw up some alarm bells, so to speak, right? And even though you don't have much volume, what you do have in the market right now are a lot of buybacks active. Again, buybacks start after the earnings period ends because companies start getting involved.
5: We've heard it's incredibly slow. You do a lot of quant in the derivatives. You do that out of your chemistry degree at Harvard. We talk about EC10 at Harvard. Did you take EC10 in economics? Everyone takes EC10. Everybody takes EC10. What they don't know is Chem40, which is inorganic chemistry, which is a rite of passage. They're models within science, within chemistry. Are the models in your world wor, world right now upside down or askew? Do you have any confidence in derivative construction, given how slow it is, and given the correlations that we see out there on the Bloomberg?
9: You know, that's a great question. So the great thing about chemistry is that when you put X plus Y together, if it's supposed to blow up, it if blows up. If it blows up, up it <laughs>
5: blows up. Oh, nope. thank you.
9: In, in the markets, you put <clears throat> X plus Y together, everyone's waiting for it to blow up. It doesn't blow up. And the reason why is because it's not just X and Y that actually matter. There's A, B, C, D, E, F, G out there that all influence it. And it's, you know, again, one of those things in science that you call a multidimensional problem, which is a complicated way of saying, you know what, no one knows the answer for sure. But what you can do is you can create a model that says, hey, you know what, most of the time when these things happen, this should happen. And like you said, when correlations start breaking down, people start asking why.
2: What's the acceptable failure level though than for a quant strategy when you say most of the time uh, how most do you have to be in order to make it work again that's a you know another great question if this was baseball we only do third great of questions the
9: time. yeah <laughs> you know if this were baseball a third of the time would be great but it's not baseball it's investing and and the interesting thing about investing is that even something that say only works 51 percent of the time right great traders can make money on that if their money management is such that the 51% of the time that they get it right, they make 10 to 1, right? And so that's, a, that's why, like, there's this myth about quants in that, hey, these guys are right 90% of the time. They're not. Really, it's about just getting something that's right most of the time or enough of the time so that when you put it all but in. But can
5: you do that within an equity desk? With the distortion off a fixed income of negative interest rates, the zero bound reality of every central bank out there in the, the first and second order derivatives of commodities right now. Can you can you in 2016 create a model?
9: And that's the thing. You can't if you're looking backwards because you don't have history to basically give you. Hey, here's what you don't
5: happening. even have a risk free
9: rate. Exactly. Exactly. I mean.
5: So what do you do on the desk at Credit Suisse? What do you do if you don't have a risk-free rate and you can't look
9: backwards? What you do is you just sort of make a best guess. But what you can do Mm. is you can basically take, say, hey, you know what? Um, and the analogy I'll give is, you know, sometimes when you're playing golf, right, and you hit a driver, um, you know right away whether or not it's going to slice, right? Um, but you know, predicting like how far you go or whatever, like again, this thing can go 250 yards, 300 yards. It doesn't matter. What you really are trying to get at is when you hit it, is this thing going to slice? And sometimes, again, predicting what happens way out in the future is tough. But what you try to do, and especially an advantage that we have on a trading desk is I don't have to get what's right three months out. But what I'm trying to do is get what's right one day to okay. one week. So Mike's question, though,
5: if we hear from interview after interview that things are <clears throat> quiet is what we hear. In a lack of volume, can you construct forward-thinking models? And that's, that's a, a really tough question.
9: It is a tough question, and unfortunately for a lot of people, right? And it's not just something that comes on the investing side. It comes even at the level of a bank CEO, right? You're trying to create a strategy that's supposed to give you a profitable bank or a strategy mm-hmm. that's supposed to give you a profitable trading investment, right? Um, But you're really just going on best guests. You're going on maybe some past case studies, maybe some, mm-hmm. um, you know, Real like numbers that again, like you said, there's no real right. history to it. We're all just we're all just working from our. I sat in
5: the St Regis Hotel in Beijing and I read my first article on CDO squares, and I had the basic response of everybody, including the Big Short. What's that? And it was my basic idea. What's the new CDO squared away from flow equity at Credit Suisse? What's the derivative? item or guess or manipulation that you see now that causes you professional concern?
9: Well, the things that will cause me the most professional concern are where do people have their wealth? Because wealth destruction is ultimately what we're looking for, right? It's the great Michael Lewis quote, you know, to err is equities, but to really screw things up takes fixed income. And what you really need to do is find out all right, what is that you know area where people have concentrated wealth? And what,
5: what you would say about foreign exchange, you can't put it on air. Right? <laughs> you can't
9: say that on radio. Exactly. Continue. Exactly. So, again, where is a lot of wealth in the world held? And a lot of it is held in you know basically government bonds, right? Um, and as you move towards a negative interest rate world, what are you going to do when the person who has their bank account in you know, some country all of a sudden is losing money because they have negative rates? Like you said at the beginning, this is something that we haven't modeled before. And while you can look in the equity markets and equity strategies, use your quant models to say, hey, you know what? This stock should go up and this stock should go down. Right. The question that you're asking me about what causes me concern is that it's not the day-to-day movements of the equity market that's going to you know, cause me concern. It is when you get actual wealth destruction, when someone who has mm-hmm. a million you know, francs all of a sudden wakes up and has 900,000 francs, right? Then they start making right. decisions. Mike, I would
5: bad. point out that the 20-year Swiss franc is breaking down not through record low. But at 0.10 percent, I've never said this on air, the 20-year, the two-decade yield is a tenth of a percent.
2: Well, you don't want to be uh, investing in Swiss bonds at the moment unless, unless you have to, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, or if you think they're going to continue to decline. Now, that's part of the prediction effort for somebody who's going to be investing in these things. Uh, what is, uh, what's the impact of this idea that uh, the neutral real rate, is much lower than we've ever seen it before, uh, and and may stay there. You know, this is something that is, you know, a phenomenon that's going to propagate
9: itself, and we're just going to have to see. Um, again, if the neutral rate has to be lower, that means that risky assets need to be higher because, you know, like I said before, people don't want to earn zero; they want to earn something. Um, but there's a big pull between, you know, again, the greed and fear. Um, aspects of it, in that people want to return, but when they're nervous, when they're in a risk reduction mode, they won't go get that return. And so, again, you take everything down to zero, we don't know yet if actually that money is going to go into buying stocks or buying bonds. Oh. We'll find out, though.
5: Thank you for stopping by. In a Gaussian word, Quali is with Credit Suisse and Equity Flow. Uh, we have much to talk to. We'll, we'll have him back on to continue this uh, was that was that okay mike i don 't think i don 't think we, we avoided a fair amount of jargon right
2: well, you kept me from getting lost, which is good
5: yeah next week kurtosis well look at that future's up six down futures up uh, fifty four i 'm watching oil mike help me watch oil because i've got to relaunch my launch pad screen uh, right now it's got a in it 's got thirty one
2: fifty three for west texas yeah. up two point eight percent brent crude thirty five twenty two it 's up two point one percent on go. the day and Uh, We get, of course, the holiday delayed inventory numbers out at 1030 this morning. Yeah, we like those holiday
5: delayed inventory numbers. Actually, inventory is quite important. We'll give you, I hope, good perspective on that as well. The yen, 113.83, stronger Japanese yen. Stay with us.
1: Bonus, another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.